The Responsible Investing Podcast by Aberdeen Standard Investments. Hello, you are listening to the Aberdeen Standard Investments Responsible Investing Podcast. Here we discuss all things responsible investment related. I'm Amanda Young and today my guest is Vanessa Whitehead. Now, Vanessa is currently a technical manager within the risk and compliance function at Aberdeen Standard Investments. She's been with the company since 2012, originally joining as Global Head of Compliance Monitoring. Now, prior to joining us, Vanessa held roles in client reporting, operations and compliance with a number of other financial institutions. Vanessa is currently heavily involved in the ESG regulatory work stream as part of Aberdeen Standard Investments' wider ESG transformation program. Now, Vanessa describes herself as a humanist with a passion for social justice and equality, and this is demonstrated in her involvement in the Standard Life Aberdeen Global Inclusion Committee and her role as co-chair of the Unity Network focused on ethnicity and multiculturalism. Last year, Vanessa was recognized brilliantly alongside her co-chair as the top 100 ethnic minority future leader by Empower. So congratulations on that. Now, Vanessa is a mother to three daughters who she says contribute to her laughter, but also her gray hair. She loves music and dancing and was, in fact, in a girl band in her earlier life where she got to perform at the London Palladium. She loves to travel, particularly to the Caribbean, and she has a special affinity with the island of Grenada where her mum comes from. Now in Vanessa's house, the love of music doesn't stop with her. Her husband was an internationally renowned DJ working with some of the biggest acts over the last 20 years, such as Eminem, Snoop Dogg and Alicia Keys. Vanessa's social conscience runs deep. She is currently exploring an opportunity to be involved in a children's charity so she can utilize her socially disadvantaged background as a way to help others Vanessa, a very warm welcome to our Responsible Investing podcast. Wow, thank you very much, Amanda. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Is that quite possibly one of the longest intros you've ever done? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely no. makes me sound much more interesting than I than I feel. <laughs> no, it certainly isn't. We've had some uh, interesting guests, but it's just great to have you and your passion for social justice uh, and, and bringing a, a different perspective to some of our other guests in the past. So, Vanessa, perhaps we can actually begin with your current role. Um, you work in compliance, and yet here you are on a Responsible Investing podcast. Now, some people might find that a bit of a surprise. So I'm keen to hear a little bit about how you see Responsible Investing fitting into a compliance team. And perhaps you can also touch on how you personally are looking at environmental social governance issues in your current role. Well, as you noted in the intro, I am currently heavily involved in ASI's regulatory work stream, which has been focused primarily on EU regulation related to sustainability. Our primary focus has been level one uh, of the sustainability related disclosure regulation, SFDR, which has been absolutely fascinating, but also, you know, quite a tough gig. Requirements are predominantly around products, but also apply to entities and essentially um, are aiming to do three key things. One, which is recognize the role of financial services firms in encouraging the redirection of capital to longer term, more sustainable investments, uh, seeking to improve sustainability disclosures and periodic reporting to enable greater transparency and comparability for investors, 
and uh, also to mitigate or at least minimize the risk of greenwashing. So uh, quite simply, regulators recognize that these ESG characteristics, sustainability, you know, they've become a real marketing tool that hasn't always stood up to much scrutiny. And so from a compliance perspective, we have a role to play in order to achieve uh, or to ensure that our disclosures are fair and that our investment processes and outcomes stand up to those that are described. So, so we've seen this massive increase, focus on sustainability funds, um, along with the wider regulation on ESG investment. Perhaps you can outline what regulation is coming down the line and how that regulation may differ across geographies. So we're seeing a whole host of regulation at the moment, and some far more progressed than others. So some regulations, some consultations, not only from the EU, who are clearly um, at the front of the pack, if you like, but globally. Um, mm -hmm. So we've had interactions with our Singapore colleagues, Hong Kong, Thailand, Malaysia. Um, and in terms of the EU, um, I've already touched on the SFDR and the fact that we're looking at these yeah. level one rules, but then we have level two to work with as well. There's been rules in France uh, from the AMF, their so-called AMF doctrine, and we're expecting a whole raft of amendments coming uh, later on this year around USITS and AFMD, MIFID II. Um, added to that, of course, with Brexit, the UK intend to do their own consultation uh, related to sustainability. So there is an absolute raft of it coming from, from all over the world. So although at different stages of evolution between the jurisdictions, it's apparent that the key principles and the spirit behind the regulation is about the encouragement of responsible investing, but also about the transparency of investment objectives and outcomes and the need to consider business models and, you know, management frameworks in light of that. Now in Europe, where over the past few years, the EU has been developing something called a taxonomy on sustainable activities. Um, and this is obviously linking into the regulation. Are you able to tell us a little bit about this taxonomy and what that actually means for investors? Yeah, so the taxonomy, even that word alone sort of scares me somewhat, <laughs> but um, every time I hear it, taxonomy, it just makes me want to shiver. Um, essentially, the taxonomy is a, a kind of common classification system that the EU has um, or intends to put in place um, yeah. and, and the aim of it is of course to just use this common language and have a clear definition of what sustainable really is um, and it begins with I think they've got about six environmental objectives that they aim to start with and the first two relate to climate change uh, mitigation and adaptation um, so for products falling out of SFDR that find themselves categorised a certain way, namely under Articles 8 and 9, they will become subject to this taxonomy and will have to provide periodic reporting to investors so that they can see exactly how taxonomy aligned the products are or the underlying investments are. So, so let's move away from regulation now um, and perhaps touch on some of your personal passions. Uh, you know, one of the topics that we often look at as uh, responsible investors is that issue of diversity. Um, now, as we said earlier, you've spent some time co-chairing our unity group, um, and this is obviously an issue close to your heart. So it would be really good to hear what you think the biggest diversity topic is of the moment, as well as how you feel investors have a role to play in addressing the issue. 
I think the biggest diversity topic is really gender and we're quite rightly seeing a lot in the press around gender equality. Yeah. And as a woman myself, of course, this is, you know, something that's quite close to my heart, but actually my additional tax, if you like, goes beyond my gender. So, um, you know, race and socioeconomic background also can create additional barriers for me and others like me, uh, particularly in financial services. So that you know, race, uh, socioeconomics, gender, they're all very close to my heart. And these kind of barriers are typically unconscious and will and will be the result of, you know, years of stereotyping or just the comfort that comes from recruiting in one's, you know, own image. Uh, whatever the reason, we need to do more to encourage actions to help, you know, readdress the balance and provide and produce fairer and more representative workplace. Are they, That's what I'd love to see. The, I, do you know what? So would I. Um, and I do think we're getting there. I, I do think where we were 20 years ago and, and times have changed uh, considerably. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just to go on to say, because you asked about investors, right? And yes. as investors, I think we have a really you know, powerful opportunity to be a positive force for change uh, by encouraging companies to improve their own representation at all levels and advocate for inclusive environments. You know, we have a role to play in communities through charitable activity or the sponsorship of talent in a myriad of ways or on the private investment side. You know, maybe we can support young businesses that are, you know, female founders or yeah. ethnic minority founders. That's that's an area that's known to have very little um, support, relatively speaking. Um, and then obviously things around uh, encouraging conversations and, and, and data collation and, yeah. and the like. Now, the Diversity is obviously just one social issue. Are there any other social issues that really resonate with you? Um, I have a passion for fairness, Amanda. <laughs> Probably too much, I have to say, stand on my soapbox to pipe. I have to watch that at times. But I do really believe in fairness and justice. Yep. And, you know, and, and I'm fascinated with this concept of being a human first, right? And, um, and so that's why this inequality and the wealth gap really, it, you know, it pains me. So socioeconomic disadvantages and perceptions do drive me nuts, you know, and <laughs> my own with my own background in, in mind, you know, I'm from a single parent home. My mum was a teenager, basically, when she had me um, and she struggled in lots of ways, and particularly financially, um, you know, but does that make me worth any less? And, you know, does it make yeah. me any less capable or any, any less inspiring to others? So some of those old school views, um, and and the barriers that are caused off the back of them, you know, the fact that it's harder for people like me to find their way, um, you know, it, it does drive me nuts, as I said. And it took me a while to, sh to kind of shake off my own feeling of not belonging in a space like you mm -hmm. know, within financial services and, you know, trying to fit in. Um, but I've learned at this fair age, I won't, won't, won't um, quote my age, but I've, le <laughs> I've learned, you know, to, to appreciate my difference and um and you know run with it basically so yeah socioeconomic that that's something that's also quite close to my heart well well you spoke about inspiration um and at this stage in podcasts i always ask uh my guests for a book or film or other uh, other things that have inspired them on sustainability issues that they'd like to share with our listeners and now you've clearly shared with me a range of things that have inspired you, including your childhood, the big short, the pursuit of happiness and the color purple. But I believe there is a particular film that tops your list. Would you like to share that with us? 
Yeah, no, I was thinking about the film Dark Waters, actually. So uh, my husband and I went to see that when it first came out in 2019. And um, it really struck a chord with me because it talks about um, a company who essentially knowingly um, produced products that were basically were poisoning the local community and their staff. And it talks mm. about it's all about this case, this lawyer who is persuaded to take on this case of this, you know, it's like David and Goliath type story. And, and he pursued the case for 20 years, uh, having received evidence galore of all of this toxic chemicals that was finding its way into the water stream and, you know, um, causing deformities in birth and, you know, deaths and things like this. And I think it's, it reminds me of Aaron Brockovich. Absolutely. It's a similar, similar absolutely. sort of inspiring film. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, it shows that, you know, capitalism really at its worst, you know, this ruthless yep. pursuit of profits over people and the importance of good governance and culture and really mm -hmm. that there should be no room for companies that, you know, willfully or recklessly risk the lives you know, of others for the sake of money. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it kind of stood out for me. On the positive side, I also liked it because in the end, the right you know, justice was served, but actually it was a really high price to pay. And again, it brings me back to our role, doesn't it? You know, in terms of asset managers, investment managers, how we can seek to, you know, remove capital from these kind of companies or, or influence business model, models, sorry, for the, for the better. So, yeah, that was the film that stood out to me. Thank you for that. Um, and finally, one last question. Uh, what next for compliance and responsible investment? What should we be watching out for the future? Gosh, I think it's I think it really will be more of the same, Amanda, as, um, you know, if we continue to see this proliferation of, you know, sustainable products and it will be around what is it we're selling? How do we stand up to that scrutiny? Can we evidence that we are that we are doing the things that we're committed to our, our investors seeing the outcomes that they would expect? Yeah, and to be honest, that principle has always been there anyway from a, from a compliance perspective. It's just now the lens has shifted somewhat into this sustainable space. But I think the spirit yeah. is the same. So, yeah, more of the same, certainly for the next few years as we get through the raft of regulation that we know about in this space. And, <laughs> and there are so many other markets like, say, the Americas that I'm sure won't be far behind. So I, I think there's plenty, plenty work in compliance um, for the foreseeable future, uh, just trying to decipher how we interpret and implement the regulation in the spirit, you know, of the, of the regulators globally. Well, it's going to certainly keep you busy for the next few years. And I'm sure our listeners will agree that we need to make sure we can evidence any responsible investment approach. Uh, and this, as you say, is just going to increase uh, to avoid greenwashing, which I think is a really important thing. Um, Vanessa, it's been absolutely delightful to have you and your passions on our podcast today. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Really appreciate that uh, and really enjoyed it. Thanks. Great. Now, um, you've been listening to the Aberdeen Standard Investments Responsible Investing Podcast, which aims to bring you insights into all things sustainably investment related. Now, to all those who have taken time to tune in, Again, many thanks, and you can find all our previous podcasts on our website. Until our next podcast, goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Responsible Investing Podcast, brought to you by Aberdeen Standard Investments. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more great content, visit AberdeenStandard.com.
This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for information purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen Standard Investments. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns. Return projections are estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.